hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Derek Miner. He's a hip-hop artist and producer coming to you from Tennessee, so stay tuned. Hey, welcome back everyone to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. First of all, thanks so much for hopping on today. If this is your first time listening, uh, welcome and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're a longtime listener, if you've tuned in a few times, thanks again for showing some support and, and tuning in for today's episode. And if you have not done so already, if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Today's conversation is with Derek Miner, based in Tennessee, originally from Michigan. Um, but in the episode, uh, what you can expect is, is hearing a bit more about Derek's story, how he first got involved into music, um, when he started to uh, take his faith more seriously and started to follow Christ. Um, we look at some of his some of his work and how justice and uh, really sharing the gospel through um, through through this means uh, has been part of his journey. Uh, from the get-go. Um, now we're seeing a lot more of uh, social justice trends, but um, this has been pretty steady, um, but his ideas have developed. So we discuss uh, what those look like, and in particular, one of his latest works, Your Soul Must Fly, um, his album, um, on not only speaking on to, to issues and causes uh, that he's been through, but through others that uh, he can empathize and, and get creative with. And we're all called to be creative and empathize with others. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, we have a lot coming at you. Um, but now let's turn on over to the conversation. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Derek Miner. He's a hip hop artist, producer coming to you live from Tennessee. Uh, excited to have you here, Derek. Thanks so much for hopping on today. Hey man, excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. No doubt, no doubt. Um, how yeah. I want to get kicked off? I actually want to take uh, take you back a little bit, a little bit uh, back when you first got involved in music. Uh, okay. I know it's been some time looking at your roots, but uh, I want to know uh, what this looked like for you, uh, and really kind of what the turning point was when it was more than just a, ho- a hobby, but really a, a mission and something that is going to be uh, a lot, a lot longer. Than a, than a hobby and is going to be much much more of a mission. Yeah, well, I went to school for music business, so um, I always felt like I wanted to do music as a career, but a lot of my motivations were pretty, I mean, the typical joints, like every, and I, and I don't think my motivations were horrible in the sense that I wanted to make money, right? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to feed my family um, and wanted to do what I love for a living. I think what happened for me was I got saved in college and I realized that I could use my music for more than just that. Like I can do those things, but also, uh, you know, empower people to, um, to know Jesus and, and to know, uh, know that they have a, there's a better life for them. So it was, a, it was in college, man. I was in my dorm room. I gave my life to the Lord. And the first thing I did was wrote a song about that experience. And uh, from there, it just kind of did its thing. You know, I, I never really put much thought into it. It just kind of was natural. You know, it just felt felt like it made sense. 
Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. It, it sounds like the yeah that the first song being a testimony is pretty powerful too. And uh, kind of a lot of times people like to wait and share that later, but you were you were the first one to. Or that was that was the first thing you ended up sharing through it. You know, through music, which is which is inspiring and speaks to uh, how powerful it's it, it, your faith has been to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always use music as an expression. So that was such a monumental moment in my yeah. life. And I, I felt like I wanted to express myself through music with it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So in particular, obviously looking at some a bit more of your newer work right now. Um, and I, I think kind of has been a trend um, in the in, I guess, Christian, you know, if we want to label or brand Christian music. But it's uh, yeah. discussing some a lot of the challenges in, of, with the systems that we have in our country. Um, yeah. And not only, I think not only being uh, aware of them, but then also speaking out on them, on them too. And I think it, I think it takes a point of awareness, but then like taking that actual, the actual step and making it and making an impression. Um, so I, I think when you think about this, what, uh, why did, why did you decide to, to take the, uh, I guess, faith through justice approach and how have you been able to do it? Think like thinking about yourself through the, as Christ would have. Yeah. Well, for me, it's never really been an approach. Like, mm. uh, it's it's honest that uh, a lot of people now are more, you know, geared towards talking about social justice and things of that nature. But I've always talked about it in my music from the, mm. you know, my early tracks. I'm out. I grew up in the rural South, so racism and injustice and things like that are as much a part of my story as school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, my first, it was fourth grade, no, second grade, I was going to elementary school, and I remember being called a porch monkey and somebody spitting out the window on my, you know, my glasses. Yeah. I had big, thick glasses, and he used to call me Urkel, but I remember being called a porch monkey, you know, and all those different things. So as I got older, I remember also being told, you know, black people don't take care of their kids, and all those different things, and, you know, I always wanted to wonder why. That was always the question, like, why are these narratives mm. about black people different from what I know about black people? And what I started to realize was our, you know, our country was founded on a, uh, a racial caste system. So for me, it hasn't necessarily been um, a trend in the sense of just now starting to talk about those things. But what I will say is, my ideas are more developed mm -hmm. on those things now because I'm older and it's taking me time. And these are, these are huge issues that, I mean, I don't think I'll ever understand them fully, but for me, again, music has always been expression. So, um, and I'm not talking about things just from my past. I'm talking about things that are in my recent, like I remember when I was working on the album Minerville, I was in the studio with one of the producers from reach. I was signed to reach at the time. And I was in, a, at the time, I was in a storage unit. And um, it was a storage unit that I converted to a studio. And they, uh, the storage unit had changed management. So I want to introduce myself to the manager. It was a young lady, um, or an older lady. And uh, you know, I was telling her, hey, I, I got a little studio out here, et cetera, et cetera. And I was in a studio working with my homeboy, Joseph. And the music was a little loud. So, and in the storage unit, there's no cell reception, so the lady couldn't text me. So she walks in and she literally, she didn't know my 
producer was in the other room that I was working with. Um, and we're in the hallway and she's literally cussing me out, saying that she'll shoot me if I want to, you know what I'm saying, retaliate. And I'm like, why such hostility? Like, I've never even raised my voice higher than how I'm talking to you. You know what I'm saying? She called me out of my name several times and things like that because the music was too loud and threatened to shoot me. So um, that's not, these aren't, you know, that was three, four years ago. That wasn't. You know, well, I was like four years ago. That I, I wasn't. That's recent. You know, and I, I think for me, since music is an expression, I've had to wrestle with these things. I think it's just new for the rest of the world mm-hmm. because now we got cameras. We can see young men and women getting shot on on you know live and mm-hmm. direct. You have to actually now come to grips with what you're seeing as opposed to what you've heard over the, over the years. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And uh, a few things out of that I want to uh, add some follow-up on. One of them was you said, you know, as you have gotten older, I uh, think the ideas have developed, right? And I think um, you most likely have been able to get additional perspective. Really, kind of what has helped you develop these ideas? And for people that are maybe not so aware or understanding of really the how complex or – but also how simple these, these concepts can be, like – what what has really helped you understand it and like what would you encourage what would you recommend for others yeah i mean let's take a simple um let's take a, a simple id ideology uh, i tell my, my son don't put your hand on the stove it'll hurt you yeah. so um he puts his hand on the stove it hurts him mm. he doesn't know why he got hurt he just knows stove hurt as you get older, he understands, oh, well, there's coils in a stove that heat up that are meant to cook food. And I shouldn't put my like his ideas develop in that sense. So for me, being younger, I knew the word words like nigga and coon and all those different things hurt me. I just didn't know why. I, I knew that, you know, when I look in my community, people are on welfare and things of that nature. I just didn't know why. and I knew it didn't seem right. So now as I'm older, what I've dived into is asking why. Mm. Why are, like, so, some people are content with looking at the outside and saying, um, well, I guess black people just don't have their stuff together. Black people are, are you know, some people will say black people are uh, lesser people. Mm. And I'm not okay with that narrative. I need to understand why we're consistently poor in our country and why. And what I realized was one, you know, civil rights movement was only 50 plus years ago. Mm. Um, and there's still remnants of what we've been fighting for in equality. But one thing I've learned is, which we come back if we were to bring it to the gospel, there's no law that can regulate hearts. There's not one law that can regulate hearts. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we don't talk about the law and things? No. What we say is, hey, these laws are wicked and Jesus would want us to change those laws. But at the end of the day, you can't regulate a heart. You know what I mean? I can't make you not look at me the way you look at me. That's going to be Jesus Mm. who's going to have to, you know, uh, mature your eyes is what I would say. Uh, It's going to be Jesus that's going to have to wrestle in your heart. So what I've learned is there's very few things that are accidental in our country. <clears throat> um, 
you know, as I begin to look into, you know, civil rights and what Martin was fighting for. And then also reading authors that were taboo growing up, like people like Malcolm X, listening to his story and, and listening to stories of the Black Panthers, who people mm. will say, well, the Black Panthers are, um, they're like the Ku Klux Klan, but they're black. It's like, no, they're not. The <laughs> Ku Klux Klan murdered people. Black Panthers mm. were about just self-defense. Yeah. Keeping your, you know, using yourself to uh, your Second Amendment rights. So as I started studying these things, it began to give me a wider and a more broad perspective. Then once you filter those things through the gospel, um, it's off to the races. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. it, you're right. And I think the one thing that has really hit me is it, it's a lot of these the, the civil rights movement is right. It's only fifty years, fifty years old. It's it's not. It, it's really not history. Because it's still existing no. today, right? I think, and sometimes we, and this is the problem, kind of looking at the 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 systems, is that we treat it as history, and we're taught, and we're, we're when we're when we're in school, right? We have history classes, and we frame it as like, oh, this is history, right? This isn't right. something that is existing anymore. But then once we kind of have that mindset, that's what it becomes until we're until we're we we get kind of broken down and and and, and these layers get torn apart, and we kind of get back to its core. So it's like, yeah. how, how do we continue? And, and I love what you're doing. And uh, even, you know, for, for your children or for, you know, people we're teaching is, is uh, instilling these, these, these principles and, and really just, just providing truth from a young age. And I think sometimes we don't even, we, we, uh, we, we, we like to share ignorance and that we're, we don't yeah. even share really what's going on. But I think sometimes the, the truth hurts and we, we, we would rather avoid it, but I, more and more, I'm thinking we should just be saying it from from the get go, rather than waiting until people get older. Well, if I talk, I mean, if, if I were to even be candid about the church, one of my biggest issues, I think, in the church, um, is pastors, for sake of uh, whatever reason, whether they're unequipped or rather they don't, if they don't think their congregation is ready for the truth, mm. they don't go all the way there. You know what I mean? Um, pastors are pastors are supposed to have all the answers, so um, we often avoid the complex issues because there's no clear answer. There's no clear answer. How do we make our country uh, have better equity for everyone? There's no answer to that. Like, there's no like clear answer. The only clear answers are the simple things. That's this. So we mm -hmm. we live there and. That means that your congregation really has a robust ideology um, about things that have complex situations. So I think that's probably, you know, a place to start there is I think for the pastors who have the congregation every Sunday, answer the real questions, answer mm -hmm. the complex questions. And even if it, even if it is, I don't know the answer to it. I know that the gospel speaks in this way and this is what we should be doing and et cetera, et cetera. But wrestle with those things. I think mm. we've all dumbed ourselves down because we don't want to, we don't want to be wrong. Or I don't know. We don't want to get into conflict, you know? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, I, just as a culture, really as a world, like we like to see answers. We like to see, uh, you know, input get, gives out an output and we can see results. it. And we, results. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Immediate and and it has to be instant, right? It's it's quick. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. we we know this, we know this, but like there. But then when we think about when we think about uh, when we think about Christianity, we think about the church. We can only, I mean, 
it's we're living on faith and a lot of a lot of things that we believe in we can't see so it's like we, we have to be able to be okay and and accept these things that we cannot see rather than I think a lot of times we like to just feel have a sense of like okay like I, I I think this is the right right thing but or I sorry I think this is the the right answer but a lot of times the 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 and the the answers that we're we're not even coming to answers but rather we're, we're leaving it more of an open ended question. Um, so I mean, I mean it's challenging but I think and I think it you know when you think about what's at what's at stake I mean the pastors don't want to lose members right like. A lot that because that's going to happen because you think about the people who are fo- listening or following the message, right? A handful of them are, are ones that are going to are going to are going to hear it, but as soon as things get tough, they're going to go away. That's that's biblical, right? As soon as as soon as things the, the truth comes out that, that they're going to leave, uh, it's kind of it's it's built on you know it's built on if it's built on rocky soil, rocky ground, it's not going to grow. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough. But I think the I think the, the space that you're in right now through music, the, the any kind of creative industry that we're in is able to paint is able to paint those lines a little bit differently too, and at least provide some light to ultimately get to that end result. And I believe it's through I believe it's through the create I believe it's through the creative world that we're that we're going to be able to find a solution. But because going back to our to our you know to our systems and our processes is not going to give get get us to the answer. No, no, they won't. And I think that um, artists have always had to be bold. You know that that's that is what makes a great artist a great artist is mm-hmm. one who doesn't shy away from the tough topics. And art allows us to feel more than think sometimes. You know, and and like with my music, I don't always have resolve it because I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I make music just for people that feel the way I feel to know, hey, someone feels like you, you know, uh, to be empathetic to their to their issues. And that's not just race, but that, you know, I wrote songs about martyrdom. Mm. Uh, I've written songs about, you know, people that have been molested. I've never been molested, but I could put myself in those shoes. Um, I wrote songs about women who uh, are in the sex trade and that's the beauty of creativity is it allows people like I have this diverse listenership and I'm talking Mm -hmm. about certain things and they would have never thought critically or felt that emotion had I not made those songs. So that, I think that's the beauty of of the art. And I think that's why we're kind of in this crazy place uh, musically, especially with hip hop is because artists are, are seeing things and they want to talk about it. They want to, they want to, I want to speak on it. You know? So yeah, absolutely. And, and your album, your soul must fly. Uh, the the first few words that came to mind for me was like create and move. I think were the yeah. just like kind of the, the words that 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 resonated the most with me. So there's clearly a call to action that's that's deep within though, right? Because it says that your soul must fly. It starts from something. It you know it doesn't say the bird must fly. It says your soul. It starts really deep within you. Um, yeah. And it's just activating. It goes from action or acting to activation. Um, yeah. And I, I want to know. And you, and you kind of you just touched on this a little bit too. Is uh, I, it sounds like being creative and having empathy are kind of the driving forces that have kind of allowed yeah. you to to look at these things that maybe haven't affected you personally, but uh, have a, you know that are important to so many others. Is that kind of am I on the right track there? Is there anything else that really has allowed you to? Uh, to speak out and to to understand a little bit better 
these uh, these different yeah. issues. You know, your song must fly, especially when I wrote it. It was really me talking to myself, which is, you know, I have these issues and I have to get above them. Um, and I think that in that I realized that's a common thread for every person, you know. And my issues are probably not your issues and vice versa. But one thing we can land on is the fact that we all have these traps and things that want to want to uh, hold us down. and We got to get over it. So I want to make a record that uh, inspired people to keep fighting, you know, mm. especially if we live in this world now where, man, it's so much depression is such a huge thing. And we need all the motivation we can get. And people literally, I mean, we think about me and my wife were talking about Anthony Bourdain. Mm. Um, I mean, the life he, on the outside, it seemed the life he lived would be one to be sought after by everyone. You travel the world, eat great food, meet amazing people. You're backed by a huge corporation like CNN. And, you know, you're, you're pretty well off. But something, something in him made him want to end his life. And that's because of a lack of hope, you know. And uh, I want to inspire people through the gospel to have hope. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they become Christians or not, you know, at the very minimum, I know that the, the gospel gives hope. And my hope is that they'll see it in Jesus, you know what I mean? That, the, you know, someone that's even not a Christian will say, man, you know, I don't know if I believe what he believes, man, but I'm going to keep fighting and hopefully in that, maybe they'll see Jesus. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, that's the goal. I feel you. Awesome. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. I, I mean, the depression and um, a lot of, I think, mental challenges has been more and more prevalent. Or maybe it's just being, it's being, it's more, it's more now because we're able to see it, like what, what you were saying, because we can see it. I mean, even Anthony Bourdain, we were seeing him, his IG photos. It looked like he, it, everything was normal, right, going up to the event. But then all of a sudden, it's like, it's like that. Yeah. So it's like, what when you're, where do you fall back to, right? You have to be able to come back to a place, and it starts with your soul, and it starts to, and then and then it goes through a place of hope. So I like, I like what you're saying, coming through a common ground, come finding likeness in in this one thing that everybody everybody can have, and that's that hope. Um, yeah. And, and something uh, a bit more of a kind of change in direction a little bit, but on the same topic, um, I think a lot of more musicians now are speaking out on on faith, right? We see Chance the Rapper speaking mm-hmm. on, with his most recent album. Even Justin Bieber now getting, you know, uh, was saved and has been speaking out on, on, on faith and, you know, at Coachella or whatever that is. So I think maybe this is above your pay grade, but I, I want to hear your take on what do you think has contributed to this to this rise of making this known, uh, making our faith known in, in our identity? Well, I think um, faith, especially in hip hop music, has always been a part of it. It's never not been mm-hmm. that I can think of. Um, it just may not have been as um, maybe it's prevalent, but I mean, Lauren Hill. I mean, when you think about over the years, there's always been artists that have have talked about faith. Uh, I think the biggest issue with Christian listeners, they think that the only people that have a Christian backing or understanding are Christian artists. But, you know, from what I understand about Justin Bieber, he was raised in the church. His mom, uh, I remember going to this, uh, this church in Nashville who they were friends with Justin Bieber's mom and her mom, his mom was there and said, there's a fight for my son, so please pray for him. 
So Justin seems to have been on the journey that pre-fame mm. had had been saved or at least had those seeds planted and has been on a journey uh, of faith the whole time. Uh, mm. But for us, we're like, whoa, wait a minute, Justin Bieber just now learned about God. And it's like, man, Chance the Rapper, like tons of people. I mean, most artists will tell you they got their chops in church. Yep. So the issue with artists, and I don't think this is just an artist issue, but this is an issue just period in the American church uh, that I know of, man, we do a terrible job at accepting people that don't fit our mold. Mm. You know what I mean? So I remember growing up, people told me rapping for Jesus, I'm going to go to hell. Rapping about God is going to send me to hell. You know what I'm saying? And it's because, you know, I didn't necessarily dress. I hate, I hated suits. Like I talk like I talk now. I always kind of had this like little bop to me. And I think people just really, there was no space for me. So a lot of times people just are like, man, there's, there's no space for me here. I'm going to just leave and just do my own thing. You know, what I love to see is that the Christian music um, world has developed more to where there is space for someone like Justin Bieber who doesn't want to do CCM or worship music. Maybe he wants to do pop, but he's going to talk about God. There needs to be space for people to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. I, I guess getting a bit more into your personal personal journey too, uh, I, last few questions. I just wanted to know about a time when your faith grew the most. Um, you know what my faith grew the most is when my uh, I got married. Because mm. <laughs> uh, I was young. I was a starving artist. I didn't know where uh, money was going to come from. And I wanted to take care of my family. So, mm. uh, and it's still the same with, with that. But I think the initial when I first got married, that really, it made me step my game up, my prayer game. Mm. <laughs> I feel you. You know what yeah. I mean? Because uh, it's, it's hardcore. So, uh, but I think that, that season, I think the season when I first got saved in college, um, I grew a lot, you know, because everything was new to me, you know, yeah. everything was, uh, was, you know, I, I grew up in the church, but like reading the Bible on my own and trying to understand it myself, I had never done that. Yeah. 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 And I, going back to earlier, you're talking about, talking about journey. And I think it's, yeah, I, we tend to, to think about you're, you're a Christian if you're like, you know, in the most, through this, this kind of evangelical framework of like, if he's doing something at this time, you know, he mm -hmm. has to be like, kind of like a hundred percent on board, like all the time look like be co cookie cutter, but it's like, it's not like that. Like it's a journey. Right. And there's going to be seasons when your faith is like really not nearly as high as it, 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 it could have been even just weeks ago. It could be look completely different. Um, Absolutely. and I don't think we focus enough on the journey, but we, we like to look at the, the final product, but, but that's not the way to look at it because we're, 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 we're works in progress. Well, here's the funny thing. The final product is the glorified body in heaven with Christ. Like, that's the final product. So what we do is we we want to clean up the outside people mm. and say that, okay, cool, you're done. <laughs> and it's like, no, like, There's... we're all on this journey that's taking us, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to think that I was an idiot. And 10 years from then, 
I want they to, you know what I mean? Like, yep. like I remember at 20, I had the whole world figured out. You know, now I'm, the more the older I get, the more I realize I don't have anything figured out, and I have to depend on Jesus. But that we don't necessarily think like that. We think, okay, once a person is converted and and they wear suits and ties and all those things, now they're Christians. But I know some of the most evil people that wear suits and ties. And, and have some of the most evil, immature mindsets, but they look good on the outside, so everyone thinks that they're cool. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I don't, you know, final product, man, is, is Jesus coming back and making our world whole. Mm. Until then, we're all works in progress. Mm. Nobody's better than the next person. We're all struggling. I was about to say to make, Yeah, know? yeah. I was about to say that we're, we're no better than the next person. Uh, amen to that, man. <laughs> Um, Amen. Well, hey, just a final uh, final question, um, just a point. I wanted to know just where where people can find the uh, the work that God's doing in you. Uh, you know, whether it's through music or anything else in your life. Um, and then after that, if you could close this out in prayer too, just to conclude, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, always at DerekMiner dot com. Mm. I got uh, Instagram, IG, Facebook. Although I'm never on Facebook, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh but I got all the I got everything. Uh but yeah, DerekMiner.com is the best way cool. to keep up with me. Um and then yeah, we'll we can pray real quick. Perfect. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for this podcast. Thank you for my brother's heart. You can tell he has a a, a, a really big heart and wants to impact the world for you. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, you send resources seeing people, um, and I pray, Lord, that you just continue blessing this podcast and, and, and blessing, blessing his story. Lord. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.